Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, February 21st, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? All good, Graham. Although I hope everything's good, because as we're recording this, we're supposed to get a big storm coming in tomorrow, which will have occurred prior to when this podcast is released. So yeah, I'm hopefully still all good by Monday. Now, I'm going to say I've been eavesdropping or not eavesdropping, but it's like, you know, I I see your Facebook posts and you put up these images sometimes because you like to go on walks along the coastline um, there in Cornwall, which is, you know, part of the beauty of like living in that region, I guess. Right. But you posted one the other day that showed a path (laughs) leading somewhere. And then the path kind of ends because a big piece of the um, cliff face had fallen into the sea, I'm guessing. Yeah. So is that like a normal thing? Like, and that is that happen when these storms come through or? It can happen. I mean, it's not, it's not a regular occurrence, obviously, otherwise we'd have lost all our coastal path. But I mean, that, yeah. that occurred about a month ago, that landslip. Wow. And yeah, frankly, it's just a good job that when I walk, I look where I'm going. <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. Um, so what about over on the, you know, the website and the, you know, the business school world? What's, what's been happening and what do we have on tap in the coming days here? Yeah, I mean, we're still in in the midst of interview season. Obviously, now folks are interviewing. There there are still interview invites coming out, but, you know, folks are knuckling down and getting the interviews done, prepping and so on and so forth. Last week, Wharton was the big program to, to, uh, uh, you know, sort of release its interview invites in one one big chunk. So obviously, we saw a lot of activity on, on, on Livewire in that regard. This upcoming week, it's quite possible Sloan will will release uh, interview invites. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I don't think we know no. exactly when that's going to occur. Um, it might be this week or early parts of next week. But, but you know, if, if history is any sort of predictor. But Sloan's the last big school that hasn't yet released any interview invites. Yeah. And, and you know, as you say, they're always the last deadline as well um, in the round. And so... Makes sense. Of, of course, I say that they might have released them on Friday, and obviously we're recording this on Thursday. But as of <laughs> the time we're recording, we haven't yet heard from Sloan. Yeah, so probably still to come. Uh, and you know, as you said, everyone's in kind of full-on interview mode. Some people have interviewed. I see interview reports coming in on the site, which I love to see. It's the best way that you, as a candidate, can kind of give back to the community if you've benefited from the interview archive on our site. So we really ask that you know, once you have an interview. Um, go on the site. You can submit your report. It can be anonymous. In fact, they they all are anonymous. And so you just indicate, you know, what was it like? What questions did you get? That kind of stuff. And I would say anyone, you know, prepping for an interview, I'd be remiss if I didn't recommend grabbing our interview guides. We have them for, I don't know if it's 19 or so schools that we've done printed interview guides for where we go over all the questions you might get, how to answer them, and lots of tips and advice and, you know, sort of this process. So you can get those on our website. Uh, other than that, um, Alex, we've got, there's been a lot going on on the website um, in the form of, you know, we've done some employment reports. We ran a piece about the Super Bowl and the ads from the Super Bowl, which was based on uh, something that Kellogg does every year, where they have the marketing department and students come together to sort of vote on the best Super Bowl advertisements. I had a blast like reading that article and then watching, <laughs> watching some of the commercials, which, you know, this for me, I, I don't get to watch the Super Bowl since I live in Europe and it's on in the middle of the night, but watching the ads the next day is, um, is a lot of fun as someone who's interested in, in marketing. So there were some really good ones this year, including a really funny one that Amazon did with, uh, 
Scarlett Johansson and and uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but it's her husband in real life. Um, and they did a whole thing around Alexa. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you've read, read the piece yet, but it's a funny one. I will have to look out for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm also, you know, obviously love the marketing angle. Did did Doritos run a commercial? I think they did, although I don't know that it made the top. I watched the sort of top five or ten ads, and I don't think it was in that group. But yeah, I think they did, and they're they're. I feel like they're almost always there. I know one of the ads that did win a prize for, you know, or was rated highly by Kellogg was an ad for Lay's potato chips with um, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, a couple of famous actors. So that was fun too. But um, yeah, check out the piece. It's always interesting to see. You know, Kellogg makes a big deal of it, and and yeah, it's good stuff. Kellogg is the marketing school, right? Yeah, that's what we, that's what people say. Um, now the other thing, Alex, you saw last week, we published the, our take on the financial times MBA rankings, which just came out. And so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that. I think you did message me earlier today saying you'd read the post and everything, you know, what the rankings are, any thoughts on the rankings for this year? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, as you noted in the story, you know, last year the rankings were were really um, hurt by the the lack of participation by a number of schools, which made perfect sense given the situation last last uh, last year with COVID. Um, this year, yeah, I mean, you look at the the the, the top um, programs listed; um, they they do make a lot of sense. I mean, Wharton at the top. I mean, we're big fans of Wharton, obviously, given our history um, with the school. Um, but you know, given the the Financial Times um, weighs quite heavily alumni um, alumni salary. Um, it makes sense that Wharton ends up at the top. It makes sense that Columbia second, given that they're they're feeding a lot of folks into banking in New York. Harvard's right up there with 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 Kellogg, Stanford. Um, so not too terribly surprising. Kudos to Financial Times for trying to integrate. <laughs> programs around the world in one ranking. I don't think it works, but kudos for their effort in doing it. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I pointed out in the article that we have up on the site that, you know, if you look at the top, um, you know, 18 or so American schools in this ranking, it's all the ones that you would pretty much expect to be there. The order is different than what I think some would say, or, you know, it certainly doesn't match the ordering of a U.S. news but for most, for the most part, like the M7 are all together. They may not, again, be in the same order that you would expect to see. I think some people would say, oh, why is Columbia ahead of Harvard and Stanford or something? But again, because of this emphasis on earnings power, and, and we don't know for sure because Columbia doesn't share this, but I presume a very high percentage of Columbia graduates are working in New York afterwards, which even if they're not working in banking, they're working in New York where salaries tend to be very high, right? So that helps yeah. um, big time. So, you know, again, it's interesting. I, I do agree that it, I feel like, you know, there should be a kind of um, U.S. ranking and an international ranking, which I think Business Week does it that way. But it, it's just easier because I really feel it's not exactly an apples to apples thing. Um, if you look at the European side, again, all the top schools that you would expect are kind of there. Um, NC at LBS, ESA are the kind of top three. Um, and then you've got a handful of the others. But I, I feel like Again, the right schools are there. Some people might debate the order. Um, but again, yeah, it's it's an interesting undertaking on the part of the FT. I will say I'm relieved to see all the schools back in play this year because yeah. we had, I mean, you know, I think six schools that are in the top 20 this year weren't even taking part last year. So that um, made a big difference and shuffled the deck a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. 
what what surprises me is that salary three years out is very high. <laughs> I obviously made some wrong career moves in my life, but we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, we can you know have an episode on that at some point where we profile all the the you know twists and turns in your personal <laughs> journey. Um, although you know you've written a couple of really interesting books and you've you've gotten something out of all these you know <laughs> uh, different things that you've done. But yeah, no doubt. No yeah. Doubt. yeah. So um, other than that, let's get in. We got we've got three really great candidates to profile this week. But before we do that. I wanted to just um, go over. We have two employment reports that we put up on the site. One is Chicago Booth and the other is uh, UVA Darden. And, you know, I'll just quickly go over the key um, counting stats that we like to <laughs> track on the podcast here. You know, the um, one thing that was weird is Booth focused on median numbers and I, I they didn't give averages. So the median salary was $155,000, the median bonus $35,000. So big numbers there. Um, and they had actually 98% of their students who were looking for work had offers within three months, which might be the highest percentage that I've seen thus far. Um, keep in mind, 82% of their graduating students were looking for work. So there is a, you know, a, a, a good chunk that are not looking but that's quite different than, say, at a school like Stanford, 7% of the class are, are kind of um, classified as looking for work. So because many are going off to do startups and such, right? So in any event, yeah. So I'm going I'm, I'm to say, Graham, you're very clever to know all this stuff. <laughs> but I'm suspecting it's because you're reading a lot of the draft content that, that your co-founder um, Elliot Ingram is putting together for our ser upcoming series yes. that does a huge deep dive into all this data, which I am so excited to to see when, when it gets out there, because some of the analysis that Elliot's done is really very interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I'm totally cheating by looking at a, you know, a big spreadsheet that he sent me a while ago um, with some of these numbers. But it's just interesting to know, you know, I think it says a lot about the difference in some of these schools to know that, okay, 82% of the graduating class at Chicago Booth is looking for work, you know, whereas only 67% at Stanford, because again, many are going off to just try and do their own venture. Keep in mind that the percentage of people not looking also includes sponsored candidates. So there's, you know, there's some of those folks in there too, or people who are doing continuing, um, continuing with their education. So if you have a joint degree and you've got another year, then you're not in the stats, right? You're in that, you're in the group that's not looking for work. So, so, yeah. so we, and we now know, Graham, correct me if I'm wrong, which are the top schools for, for, for attracting folks that are sponsored by their companies yeah. as well as, and I think Elliot speculated one school and I won't name names, but <laughs> one school that seemed, looks like it admits more folks in dual degree programs with other um, degree offerings from their institution than other schools. So yeah. some really interesting nuggets of data coming out totally. of the, these reports that Elliot's working on. Yep. Um, so let's just run through on the Booth stuff. I'll just run through some of the basics. Um, the thing that's interesting to me about Booth's placements is that 34% go consulting, 27% finance, and 23% tech. 4% uh, to healthcare, 3% to CPG. And what I say interesting, I, just that balance between consulting, finance, and tech, it's it's pretty, you know, um, it's it, it's not something we see everywhere, right? Um, and, you know, when it comes to the regions, 30% in the Midwest, that's their biggest um, placement area, but 27% on the West Coast, so not too far behind. And they also send 22% to the Northeast. 
And, and so those three categories alone kind of grab a lot of the class. You know, they send 5% to the Southwest, 5% South, and 4% to the Mid-Atlantic. But it's really, you know, Midwest, West, and Northeast. And I think that's because they're balanced with consulting finance and tech, you know. So um, in any event, yeah, that's... <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is really interesting, Graham. I thought Kellogg... So I, I'm associating Booth and Kellogg because they're from the same sort of ge- geography, um, you know, in the Midwest. Yeah. I thought Kellogg sent a higher proportion of folks out to the West Coast than Booth. And, and Booth sent more folks out to the Northeast than Kellogg. But what you're telling me with this latest employment report might narrow the gaps on both of those um, areas, because it seems to me that Booth is sending perhaps a higher proportion to to the West Coast than perhaps it did in the last um, several years. Yeah, I think that number has gone up. I don't have last year's number in front of me, but yeah, I believe you're right. So... um... Yeah. So it's just interesting. I love, and again, Elliot's working, working on this whole content series that's going to be coming um, probably in the next week or so. Uh, we're going to start having some really cool uh, information just in time as candidates kind of begin to make decisions about where to go, or as those of you who are tuning in and thinking of going off to school uh, or applying next year, you know, are trying to figure out what schools to target. So that that's the whole goal here is yeah. for us to really give you the information to help you make the right decisions. Um, on the Darden side, and then we'll get into our wiretap stuff, we've got $145,000 average salary for Darden graduates and a $35,000 average signing bonus. 97% had offers within three months, so another really great number there. Um, and let's see, uh, consulting, 32%. I know people think of Darden as a big consulting school, so 32% went consulting, 26% went finance, and 19% went tech. 6% to healthcare and 5% to consumer packaged goods. So again, a nice balance overall, not so different from Booth. Um, where the where the two schools diverge a little bit is in the regional stuff, you know, where if you look at Darden, 29% go Northeast, 21% Mid-Atlantic, 18% to the West Coast, 11% Midwest, 11% South, and 8% Southwest. So you know, I guess you would expect that kind of Northeast quarter. I mean, if you add the two together, Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, we're talking about, you know, half of their class landing in that general, um, you know, from, let's say, Richmond, Virginia up to Boston. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, though. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I hate not to dwell on Darden because I think Darden's a fantastic school. We do know it's a great consulting um, school for consultants. They they use the case study method and so on and so forth. But were you surprised that, Booth, their highest industry is consulting? Um, you know, I guess, yeah, it's funny because people think of finance a little bit yeah. with Booth, but, you know, I'm not actually because consulting has traditionally been the biggest area and finance really, I mean, I think ever since the financial collapse in 2008, finance has been pushed down a bit. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to say is, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, but we just ran last week an interview um, on the podcast that I, I had Pat um, Harrison and, and Amy Mitson from Tuck. They co-lead the admissions team there and they came on the podcast and we did a whole thing on Tuck and, and how they assess candidates and stuff. The usual thing, just part of our admissions Q&A series, which I think we've now had... I don't even know, 10, 11 or so schools come on and do that. Um, We had all the M7, we've had Yale, we've had Berkeley, 
and talk. So yeah, so I think about 10 different schools and I'm still trying to get some others, um, you know, with the likes of Cornell and NYU and some of the other schools that I know our audience would love to hear from. But it was fun to talk with those two. They've been at talk for, I mean, gosh, both of them have been there since I think at least 2004. Nice. So <laughs> they're veterans. Yeah. What, what did you learn from that conversation that you didn't know going into it? Well, you know, I, I learned about Number one, they've really had to overhaul their whole interview process and their campus. They, they used to have this whole thing where they really want you to come to Hanover to see the school. And ever since that was shut down with the pandemic, um, that's kind of thrown a wrench in the works. Because the other thing that would happen when you would come to visit is you could have an interview. They sort of guaranteed you, if you come up to Hanover, we'll give you an interview. <laughs> um, and, and I think part of it is they felt like that's the best way for them to sell the program. And I have to admit... When I've been up there, I've always, you know, I, I've been up there a few times. It's kind of like, wow, this must be a nice place to, <laughs> to live for a couple of years and, and go to school. Um, but so they've had to move to an interview by invitation model. And, and so just a little different. Um, but, you know, the other thing is just it's just such a friendly kind of place. I mean, that that's echoed over and over again. And just the, even in the people that I meet who work there. So it's just a, a really nice community. And that comes through loud and clear on the podcast. And is that why their alumni traditionally is considered the most engaged alumni of all t top business schools? Do yeah, you think? I think it's because it's a pretty small, um, you know, pretty small class and in a, in a location where I don't, and this is going to sound wrong, but they're sort of forced to hang out with each other all the time for two years. Right. I mean, it's not like they're, you know, it's not like at the end of the day, they disappear into a giant city. You know, you could leave your classes at NYU or Columbia and go off and, you know, do nothing with your classmates and take advantage of New York City. Um, but, you know, in Hanover, you're likely to, you go into a restaurant in Hanover, you're probably going to see another Tuck student, right? So it, it's, it's a different kind of vibe. And I think because of that, the bonds that are forged are strong and that, you know, translates to great alumni involvement. So yeah. other than that, I was going to make a funny joke then, Graham. Uh Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> is this, is this why the alumni network at Wharton is also so very strong? <laughs> because no one is from Philadelphia when they arrive and they're sort no of, no one's from Philly and there's not much to do, but uh -oh. that latter point, I know that I shouldn't say that because <laughs> I did actually love the city of Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's changed over the years. You know, I think in the seventies, Philadelphia had a pretty bad rap, but it's, um, yeah, no, it's a great city, yeah. but, but it is interesting in that most people coming to Wharton are not from Philadelphia, so they don't have a network of friends already there that they can, you know, hang out with instead of their classmates. Yeah. So, yeah, the only other thing is we got a really nice email um, the other day from a person named Alex, actually. So another Alex writes, um, Alex and Graham, as a listener of your podcast and follower of the Livewire, I want to reach out and convey my thanks for your advice over the course of my MBA application process. You may recall I connected with you in December on Clubhouse and presented its decision dilemma of having been admitted to Yale, Tuck, and Wharton. Wharton had given a $50,000 scholarship. I had been rejected from Stanford and on HBS's further consideration list. Um, and so it goes on to just explain that, you know, your advice um, that Wharton would ultimately have an edge over Tuck within my industry, which is private equity investing, was helpful and contributed to my decision to enroll at Wharton. Uh, HBS didn't offer me an interview in round two, which was a bit of a letdown, but, um, you know, in any event, they say that they're thrilled to be attending Wharton and appreciate uh, both of us for help along the way. We'll continue to be a listener of the podcast and hope to somehow pay it forward to future applicants. 
So that was nice to get. I love, I love those emails. <laughs> no, fantastic. Yeah, and congratulations to them for making what I think is the right decision, great decision, and yeah. best of luck in Philadelphia. Yeah, should be a good good place to be, um, as you and I know. <laughs> um, so should we get moving on? I know we've spent a lot of time on some of our preamble stuff this week, but we have three really interesting candidates that we're going to um, go through here. So shall we move things along? Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So our first entry this week is an apply wire entry that we received. Uh, this person's hoping to start in 2023. Uh, they've got schools on the list that include Berkeley, Cornell, MIT, Kellogg, NYU, Washington Foster, and UCLA Anderson. Uh, this person's pre-MBA career has been in revenue and growth finance, and they want to pivot into tech after business school. GMAT score is a 730, although they got a 730 twice with two different uh, breakdowns, so we'll get into that in a moment. And they also have a 3.2 GPA, three years of work experience. They're located in San Francisco and would love to stay there after business school. Uh, a little like, sort of notes on the personal background. This person is um, female, uh, 27 years old. They are um, Asian by birth but also, um, I guess they were adopted uh, by two moms who are, the, the moms are white and Arab, so they don't really identify as Asian because they, that, you know, they, they didn't, weren't raised in that culture. Uh, they went to a number one public university, did mechanical engineering and econ. Uh, they had some kind of a health problem, which they said might have contributed to a slightly lower GPA of 3.2. And, you know, they've, they've had a number of different jobs, actually, in, in different kind of finance roles. And... I'll let you kind of explain this part, Alex, but I know they're thinking about when to apply and, and what to do with their career as they kind of get ready for business school. And, and they also wondered about which GMAT score to submit because they have two 730s with slightly different breakdowns. So I'll let you, what's your initial take here and maybe walk us through the sort of job stuff? Yeah, my initial take is this is potentially a very strong candidate. Um, you, you know, their, their background is, is, sounds super interesting. It's certainly unorthodox. Um, so, so, you know, I'm talking sort of about the personal background. So I think that will, yeah. um, certainly, um, come, come to play here. And the other thing I like about that is, um, she, she's been active in her sort of extracurricular life and, and community sort of supporting related sort of, um, causes and, 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 and issues and, and so on and so forth. So, 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 so that part of it, I really like, you know, 730 GMAT, she's obviously, well, I could say she sounds like she's pretty wicked smart. She's got a 3.2 GPA. So you could have a little bit of question around that. It is mechanical engineering and econ out of a really good university, I would think, um, with, and she had some undiagnosed health disorder. So presumably, you know, we can look more towards the 730 GMAT um, she took it twice, got the same overall score, but she, on, on one of them she has a, a much stronger quant score, so that sounds like the one she should um, go with. Um, it looks to me like her career, I mean, she's only worked for three years. She's been in three different um, jobs, it looks like. Looks like she's done extremely well, um, sort of moving through these um, three, three positions and so forth. Um, so I think she, she appears... To, to me, to be a candidate that looks like they have a lot, a lot of upside, a lot of potential, even if all that potential hasn't yet been realized. And that makes this a, a candidate that's particularly attractive to 
top programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so her question um, to us or, or to, to the audience or to Applywire or whatever was she's looking to get into a product management role potentially before she applies and may apply um, next season or the season after. And I know this is a, a, a comment that you had on the apply wire entry, which I think is absolutely correct, and, and maybe you can add some more color to it, is she should probably consider applying next season, stay where she's at and, and really sort of aim high if she doesn't, um, you, you know, isn't successful at the very best programs, then she has time to reapply. Um, but probably getting a little bit more time in, in, in this current situation wouldn't do her any harm, right, Graham? Yeah, that was my, you know, the, the things that jumped out at me were, you know, I'm not worried about her test score, um, you know, 730 is good. And, and even her GPA, it's, she had a double major, tough, you know, tough uh, subjects in engineering and econ and, and went to a really good school. So I, I feel like academically, she's great. Um, she's 27. So she's kind of, you know, exactly the right age to go off to business school. But she's got this issue around, you know, oh, I want, I'm considering moving to a new company um, in a kind of project management role. Um, this spring, but she's only been, it looks like a handful of months at her current um, insurance tech unicorn. And so I'm just, yeah, I, I sort of started to get worried that, you know, as you say, she had like these three jobs in three years so far. And I'm worried that the fourth job may make things a little more complicated in terms of just being able to tell her story and show that she can sort of stick somewhere and experience growth. So, and I also think given where she is in terms of her stats and her age, she could go like to school. She doesn't need to wait that extra year. And every year that you go, you know, any year you can go earlier, the, the better off you are because you have more years on the back end of the MBA to really build your career. So I'm, yeah, I'm in favor of her applying this fall round one uh, to this, you know, some of these target schools on her list and, and probably just sticking it out in the current job. I mean, I think if I read this right, she's only been there for three months. So yeah. Uh, you know, the rule of thumb is you always want to stay somewhere for a year at least um, to be able to show some growth because otherwise you get labeled potentially as a bit of a job hopper. And I know that things have changed. We live in a different era now with a lot of these startups and um, tech companies and people moving all over the place, especially in a hot job market. But I still think that for an admissions reader, I'd rather she stay and apply sooner. It's hard to make the case that you've made an impact in a role if you've only been there for three months, right? Right. And so then there'll be questions around, you know, well, why did you, you know, what was wrong with that position, you know, and so why did you move on so quickly from it, you know? So um, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about this one, Alex, is, you know, I think we're in agreement that, you know, maybe she stays put and applies this coming fall and, and gets off and into school. But she says she wants to be in San Francisco, wants to work in tech, PM. Do you think the school selection here is the right list of schools? Yeah, it's missing Stanford and Wharton. Yeah, that was my, th- <laughs> my thought as well. Like I, I might shuffle the deck and add those two. I think she can aim high. Yeah. Uh, she's got, you know, you know, the, the whole GMAT issue was that she had two different quant results. One was a 49 and one was a 40, uh, 45. And those made a big difference in terms of, you know, the percentile. Um, but I, so I think she leads with the strong quant score, as I mentioned on the site, because it's, you know, it puts her up into the 74th percentile on the quant and she still has a 94th percent on the verbal. So that's the test I would use. She had another test where the verbal was even higher and the math was lower, right. but I don't, I don't recommend that because still 94th percentile on verbal is terrific. So I don't, the other test was a 99th percentile, but, um, but she needs that better math score. 
So, yeah, I think she should apply. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what what are you saying? She rather play Wordle than Nerdle. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, I will say ordinarily a great verbal score is a good sign. Yeah. And admissions officers don't mind that because they think it means you might have some of the soft skills that um, you know CEOs often have, right? But I just was worried that the verb the quant score that she does have on that other test is a little low, and so I'd go with the stronger one, given that her verbal didn't take a big hit on the other tests. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I wish this person the best of luck. Really appreciate her posting and sharing all this background. Uh, yeah. So I, I think she's going to do great, but I would just encourage her to get, get on with it. You know, stay, stay at the job, use any extra time she has, you know, to start working on her applications for next year and, and aim high. Yeah. Excellent. So let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry that we received. This person's actually hoping to start business school in the fall. Uh, they applied to Dartmouth, MIT, Kellogg, NYU, Chicago, Wharton, and Yale. They've been working in investment banking um, in Taiwan. Uh, they've done about three years, or I guess actually maybe four years of experience now, um, you know, post-college. They want to get into entrepreneurship after business school. GRE score is a 326, GPA is a 3.4, earned at a top 20 uh, undergraduate program in the United States with a double major in econ, uh, econ, math, and music. It's kind of a triple major, but they say double, so I don't, I don't know. I guess it's econ slash math. <laughs> um, and they do a lot of extracurriculars, or certainly did when they were in school. Um, and you know they've had like three years in investment banking, done a lot of deals and IPOs. They've started a, they have a kind of a side hustle, as they describe it, doing a sports-related retail uh, startup that's been going for a couple of years now. And they've been invited to interview at Tuck and Kellogg. They signed up for an interview. Obviously, everyone can interview there. So that's where they stood when they made this post, you know, a handful of days ago. I'm assuming they maybe have gotten word from some of these other programs like Booth and Wharton at this point. But what do you make of this candidate? And, you know, again, does the fact that they're in Taiwan, but with a U.S. undergraduate education help? Like, what, what's your take on someone like this? Yeah, I mean, overall, th- this candidate's profile looks very promising, right? Um, yeah. You know, like you say, the double major um, in, in econ and math and music, they seem to look like they do um, some really interesting things, like from an extracurricular standpoint, um, sports slash symphony orchestra. So that sort of... To me, that sort of um, is the full spectrum, right? Sports on the one side and, and, and music on the other side. So I think that's very good. Um, and it looks like their work experience in investment banking has been very sort of um, um, solid. I mean, you know, they've done a solid amount of IPOs, M&A deals and so on and so forth. So, 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 so that, that would be very good along with an entrepreneurial um, experience and entrepreneurship is their um, their goal going out of the MBA. So it's good that they've sort of gotten their feet wet there. So I think that'll play very well with the adcom too. Um, I, you know, the GRE is a 326. I think that's probably about the median GRE for top programs. But we know that that's a little bit lower than the median GMATs for, for top programs. Yeah. So I'm not overly um, excited with the, the, you know, that 326-3.4, but nevertheless, um, all the other stuff sort of looks quite positive. And they've, it looks like they, they've gone either gone back to Taiwan or gone to Taiwan for their, for their career. 
Um, they did, a, you know, their undergrad in the US, as you said. So lots to like here, um, I think, Graham. They, they've got an interview invite at Tuck. You said that that's, you know, by invitation now. That's switched to how they used to do it um, because nobody can go to Hanover anymore or, 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 or they can't encourage that so much. Um, but like you say, it would be good to know if they got the invites from Booth and from 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 Wharton um, to to see where they stand with that. They still got to wait for for Sloan. Stern is a complete mixed bag. Whenever Stern decides to invite you, they'll invite you. That I I never can figure their process out. And Yale's um, not not quite as random, but but has has an, another sort of um, process that's hard to predict. But yeah, overall, I gotta like this candidate, Graham. The numbers don't bounce off the page, but there's other stuff to like. Yeah, I think this is for for me. Um, I agree with you. the numbers are a bit pedestrian at the at these top schools. I mean, obviously they're they're great numbers overall, yeah. but at these very top schools, they could fade into the you know not really stand out. But I agree with you. There's some other things to really like. I, so for me, I what I would say is this is going to come down to how they presented themselves in the file. Yeah, entrepreneurship's a bit of a vague goal, and so you know obviously. It sounds like they, you know, they have an idea. Obviously, they're already running a company that they started on the side here. So I'm hoping that they were able to kind of really weave this into a compelling set of essays and, and that they interview well, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the margin, I would say an international student who's done their U.S., their education undergrad in the U.S. usually has a bit of an advantage, especially if they went to a well-known school or something. So, yeah, we, we will see. I'm hopeful that they've gotten interviews from some of these programs while, you know, in the interim here since they posted, but we shall see. Um, I want to wish them the best of luck and thank them for posting. Hopefully they can add a comment and let us know, you know, where things stand. Um, but yeah, that, that one's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a little bit hard to predict, I would say. <laughs> I'm going to throw it back at you, Graham. If they get an admit at Tuck and that's the, the, the choice that they have, is that a good choice for, for what they've done, what they plan to do? You know, one of the things I don't know that they specified is where they want to land right. um, in the long term. I don't know if they, yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, you can, I mean, Tuck is a fantastic general management program. You could kind of do anything coming out of there. And as you said, tight knit network and, yeah. you know, if they want to run a startup out of Boston or something, probably a great place to be. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, it's an Ivy League school, great network and connections. But, yeah, we'll, I guess we'll see where the chips fall for them. Yeah, yeah. Very best of luck to them. Yeah, excellent. All right, let's talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is a decision wire entry, again, from an undecided candidate. They applied to Berkeley, Columbia, Duke, Michigan, Stanford, UVA, Vanderbilt, and Yale. And they ended up getting into a number of these schools. Um, in fact, they got into Berkeley with a $180,000 scholarship. Uh, Duke also admitted them with 140000 No money from Ross, but they were admitted there. Um, 180000 from UVA Darden, so basically free ride there as well. Vanderbilt admitted them, and Yale SOM admitted them with a $100,000 scholarship. This person is obviously starting school next fall. Um, they have an entrepreneurial plan post-MBA, which is um, in a kind of, uh, I think it's in a kind of ed tech or education, maybe nonprofit um, domain. And they are currently in Memphis. I guess that's maybe why they had um, Vanderbilt on their list as well, because that's probably their local option. Uh, they had a 790 on the GMAT and a 3.9 GPA. So talk about some phenomenal numbers. Uh, and they're just wondering about... They're kind of, they want some feedback on the value of reputation 
versus regional alumni networks. So they say, yeah, I want to launch an education nonprofit after business school, and my target postgrad regions are Tennessee, North Carolina, and Virginia. So they're kind of wondering what, you know, what to do there. I will say that um, I didn't mention the result for Stanford where they applied, um, and that's because they haven't yet gotten um, word yet. They applied in round two, but I believe they've been invited to interview. So I'll let you summarize this, Alex, because there was a lot of debate and discussion on the website. Um, Elliot, our team member, chimed in, and as did a number of um, site users. But you know, what what would you do with these just, you know kind of choices on hand? Yeah, I mean, I encourage anyone that's listening to this to go look on DecisionWire for this particular entry. Um, if they want to do a deep dive, there's some really thoughtful comments um, from a couple of different um, um, community members um, that, that sort of address this issue. Because as an entrepreneur, um, what are you looking for in terms of that sort of re- region, reputation, and so on and so forth? Um, the, the person's not looking to get hired. Um, what they're looking for is potentially a network that's going to help them with sort of investments and, and investing, um, regulatory, and so on and so forth. So that might change the dynamic a little bit. And actually, the the, the, the person that made that observation um, seemed to suggest that maybe Hass actually would be a good option in, in this case, or at least comparable to Darden and Duke, which would you would think had a better um, focus on this particular region. Um, and, and and so forth. So that was one of the interesting um, debates that was happening, um, and, um, and 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 you know there were several other points that were made. This candidate did basically um, boil it down to Darden, right? So they've decided that they're going to take Darden um, with that one hundred eighty thousand um, support, which is absolutely fantastic, especially if you're an entrepreneur, right? So so that really is yeah, going to help yeah. me. Um, um, but now they've just been invited to interview at Stanford, Graham. <laughs> yeah. They say if they get admitted at Stanford, they're 75% sure that they will go to Darden. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call them out on that. <laughs> they currently have a lot of love for Darden because they've been through that sort of process of getting admitted, getting excited, getting whatever, and making a decision. If they get admitted at Stanford, they're going to have to go through that process again for Stanford. I'm betting that that will sway them. They do have personal reasons why Darden makes sense. Their partner um, can can get a really um, very good job in, 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 in the local area and so on and so forth. But I don't know, Graham. <laughs> I think Stanford, if they come with an offer... Um, will will completely distract and, and derail this decision-making process <laughs> or potentially will. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to get admitted at Stanford, but there's a, there seems to be quite a lot to like about this this person. Obviously, they, they did really well with these offers that they had, right? 180 from Haas, 180 from Darden. Yeah. You think, well, did they under undershoot? They admitted they undershot. Yeah. Um, that's why they applied to Stanford. They got a 790 GMAT, 3.9 GPA. They're on, yeah, I, I think they're going to end up in Palo Alto if they get it admitted at Stanford. Yeah, it's tough to say. And I don't know what their personal financial situation is, you know, whether they are going to be a good candidate for need-based aid at Stanford, because if they are, they'll get plenty of money from Stanford that does it on a need basis. But, you know, we'll see. I would say for now, 
I'm, I agree with the kind of logic that played out on the site in terms of people weighing in, mm. in that, um, you know, it really came down to Darden or Haas, because those are the two that are offering 180000 But given that they want to land in Virginia or North Carolina or Tennessee, and, you know, that the cost of living in Charlottesville is nothing compared to the cost of living in the Bay Area, like, you can start to see why they've made this choice to enroll at Darden. Obviously, if Stanford comes through, that throws a wrench in the works, and they'll have to reassess and, and think about that. And that'll be a tough decision, especially because, you know, when I think about education and nonprofit and stuff. Stanford has a really fabulous school of education, and, and you know, they even do a joint degree with the MBA. So there, there's a lot happening there. Um, with that said, you know, if this person is an East Coaster and wants to stay there for, you know, for life and start their company on the East Coast, then you know, look at the numbers. I mean, the stats suggest that people who go to Stanford, a lot of them will stay on the West Coast and that people who go to um, Darden, a lot, you know, there's a really good chunk that stay in the mid-Atlantic, South and kind of Northeast and stuff. So it's, um, yeah, you can't ignore some of these stats, but it's an interesting dilemma that they're faced with. And I was so happy to see, you know, just a whole variety of voices on, on the site chiming in <laughs> with their two cents on this stuff. Yeah, not just two cents though, like lots of thoughtful comment, yeah. which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, well, we've done it. We made it through our three candidates. Uh, thanks for picking these out, Alex, as always. I did want to remind people to please rate and review the podcast either over on Apple podcasts, or you can now also um, rate us on Spotify. They don't take reviews yet, but you can at least give us a, you know, some stars or whatever it is. Uh, would we love to get your feedback? It's really helpful for us and it helps others to discover this podcast. So please um, show us some some love when you get a chance. And Alex, if you're willing, we'll come back next week and look at a whole other set of candidates for our audience here. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.